Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. I'm speaking today with Pamela Hess, the Executive Director of Arcadia Center for Sustainable Food and Agriculture. Their programs offer great opportunities for veterans interested in farming and agriculture, food distribution, and nonprofit programs, and of course, food. So with that, hi, how are you, Pam? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. I love talking with 100 entrepreneurs every year. We get really great folks out of this out of that program into ours. Oh, wonderful. That's great to hear. Okay, good. Well, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how did you come to work with Arcadia Center for Sustainable Food and Agriculture? Yeah, I'm, we can just call it Arcadia, save everybody a lot okay. of time. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a career national security journalist. I covered the Pentagon and the military for about 20 years. That time included, uh, I think, six over in Iraq and Afghanistan where I'd spend one to two months, I think the most I've ever spent was nine or ten weeks, on the ground, mostly embedded, um, especially as time wore on uh, because it was uh, not safe for me to be on my own, um, covering the war primarily from U.S. military perspective uh, and working in Iraqi views and Afghan views when I could, when I could get them. And, um, and it, those experiences gave me a uh, really great respect for the um, capabilities of people in uniform who were doing unbelievable things that they had never been trained for, never expected that they would be doing. Um, and, so, and so that really stuck with me, and I thought, these people are incredibly resilient and smart and resourceful and obviously tons of grit. They get the job done regardless of the circumstances. And that that just stuck with me. So eventually I got out of national security journalism. It was, um, it's a pretty grueling field. And I was working for the world's largest news organization, the Associated Press. And I was then the Intel correspondent. So anything that blew up anywhere in the world was my problem for about three years. And it just got to be too much. And I was offered a job on the Hill and I took it. And that was terrible. Um, I was not very good at it, and uh, and it just didn't really mesh with my my reporter sensibility. Um, I did it for about eight months, and then left and got back into a much more pleasant sort of journalism, and that was food journalism. I became the editor of a regional magazine that no longer exists, and it was about food and farming and the chefs and the restaurants who supported sustainable farms in the Chesapeake region. So mm-hmm. Pennsylvania and West Virginia and Virginia and Maryland and Delaware, maybe a little bits of North Carolina here and there. And, and so I did that for two years, and it was, you know, just putting out this beautiful magazine and hearing from farmers. And the very last issue I ended up doing I did a story on three military veterans who had become farmers. And and I was very persuaded from my experience with these three that this is a great field, so to speak, for people coming out of uniform 
that are looking for jobs that are um, as mission-oriented, um, as full of meaning, as physically and mentally and emotionally challenging as what they were leaving, um, who wanted to continue in public service, who were not afraid of a hard day's work, and who understood what it means to put in effort knowing that your compensation will not come for a long time. So long-term mm-hmm. planning and adapting plans and the ability to overcome crises calmly. Farming is, if nothing else, one crisis after another. And this year is a great <laughs> example of it. We've had um, flood flood-like conditions three or four times this summer. There's one happening right now. You might hear the raindrops in the background um, intermittently with drought and incredible heat-like conditions. And these things um, combine to cause all sorts of havoc, particularly for vegetable growers in our region. So, so the great things about veterans and people in uniform is, is they have the mental and physical resources needed to be successful farmers. And these are things that um, a lot of civilians simply don't have. So, so uh, I did that story or I edited that story for the magazine and then Arcadia came calling and asked if I wanted to be the executive director. And I <laughs> was like, okay, but I don't really know how to do that job. And I'm like, you'll figure it out. So I figured it out. And the first thing that I had on my mind in joining Arcadia, which is, as you mentioned, a food and agriculture-focused nonprofit, our mission is to create a more equitable and sustainable food system. And equitable means everybody gets the good stuff, regardless of where they live or how much money they have. We have to come up with programs and resources that allow anyone to be able to feed their families healthy food. And frankly, our current food system is not set up that way. Our current food system is extraordinarily efficient at producing uh, very cheap calories that are very low in nutrition um, and very expensive when it comes to public health. And um, lower income people have a much harder time eating healthy diets and maintaining their own health through their food than wealthier people because wealthier people have many more choices. Um, mm-hmm. I can have Amazon deliver food by drone to my house. I can go to the farmer's market down the street. I, there's a Whole Foods opening in my neighborhood. There's 10, 10 grocery stores within walking distance of my home because I live in a wealthier neighborhood in Washington, D.C. A mile away in a low-income neighborhood in Washington, there's one grocery store for 88,000 people. And, um, and the people who don't live near that grocery store have a very hard time getting their hands on anything that is fresh and consequently depend mm-hmm. in large part on food that's at the corner store, which is mostly packaged processed food that is simply not good for you and, and correlates with spikes in chronic diseases like diabetes and hypertension and heart disease and and cancer. So Arcadia is dedicated to trying to fix that problem, coming up with innovative and resourceful ways of doing that. And, and so what we, um, what we do is we sort of look at the food system and say, what are the problems here? And, and one of the main problems is there's simply not enough well-grown food available locally 
So that means that the prices are high. So we have a farm and we produce food specifically for underserved neighborhoods so that people can get their hands on just as good kale and Swiss chard and beets and carrots and celery and all of the good stuff to eat um, as anybody else. And so we're adding to the supply of food. But then we have another problem, and it's a national problem, and we have a slow-moving crisis in agriculture, and and it's this, that the nation needs 700,000 new farmers over the next 20 years to replace the farmers who are aging out of the profession. The average age of the American farmer is about 58 years old right now, and so that means over 20 years, about 700,000 of them are going to be selling their farms, dying stopping farming, Mm -hmm. who knows what, and we need to replace them if we want to continue to eat the way we currently eat. So looking at this problem and knowing that we have to provide more food, we need more food right now, and over the next 20 years we're going to need a lot more to replace the food that's coming out of the food system. Um, So looking at that problem as a piece of the whole food system problem, I remembered this story that I did at the magazine about veterans and farmers and I started putting two and two together and that was that the military generates about 200,000 new veterans every year and Mm -hmm. they are preternaturally capable of farming if they're interested. That said, it's really hard to get into farming if you didn't grow up on a farm. Who's going to teach you? Who's going to take you on as a person who knows nothing? But farming is a calling and in much the same way, I think that some people who join the military feel drawn to serve. Farming is for people who feel called to farming because it is a lifestyle. It is all-consuming. It is not extremely well paid, um, but mm-hmm. it offers other kinds of rewards. And so I thought, you know what? What I need to do is to take that 200,000, take those 200,000 veterans and provide them a path into farming. And so we do it in our small way on our farm mm-hmm. in Virginia. We're surrounded on three sides by Fort Belvoir. And our land actually used to be George Washington's farm after he was a veteran from the military. It was his dog-run farm. And Hmm. we launched a training program about three years after I joined Arcadia. I happened to fall in on our, our farmer at the time who had come from training farmers at the farm school, our director of operations who had worked with a veteran who was learning to be a farmer and had run a farmer training program at another organization, and a volunteer who was a military officer who desperately wanted to be a farmer but couldn't get into any programs because he had no relevant experience. So Hmm. when I got there and had this idea and some connections from my time uh, with the military, um, I was able to help get this program going. So we've been going at it since 2015 and really hard charging it since 2016. Um, and we train military veterans to be farmers in a group of about 20 every year. It's about a platoon sized group. And, um, and it's a, it's, it's a three track program. Um, the first track is our veteran farm fellowship. We are accepting applications for that. Now it is a relatively low paid farming position, but I should say that any job that you take in farming, if you don't have any experience, is going to be pretty low paid if they, if they will even let you do the job. So we take people who know nothing about farming and we teach them everything and they work for us 40 hours a week on our farm and they get exposed to all the other things that we do. 
Um, and mm-hmm. they, because we are an approved on-the-job training program, uh, the VA allows the veterans who work for us who have leftover GI Bill benefits to access their base housing allowance. And so that really boosts their salary to um, a level where this becomes an affordable endeavor for them. So that is a full-time job. Then we have a... What kinds of, what kinds of jobs are they doing on the farm? Oh, my gosh, everything. Uh, It's like a left seat, right seat uh, training with our farmer. Um, They start in the greenhouse in the winter learning how to um, germinate seeds and uh, and seed trays and manage the greenhouse and the irrigation and the power there. They learn about um, transplanting and direct seeding. They learn about weeding and harvesting and soil science. Uh, We spend a great deal of time working on our soil um, how to make compost, how to build beds. We have um, a very cool uh, new technology on our farm called Farm From a Box, which is a solar-powered sort of farm infrastructure central, and I can talk a little bit more about that in a little bit later. It's coming, it's mm-hmm. arriving in the next one or two weeks at our farm. Um, mm-hmm. So they learn everything about how to be specifically a vegetable farmer, but everything that they're learning can be applied to other kinds of farming as well. But ultimately, if you're a farmer, you need to know how a seed turns into a plant. Because if you're raising bison, you need to maintain your pasture, and that is seeds Mm -hmm. and plants. And if you're growing veggies, you need to know how to grow veggies. So, So those farmers spend a whole year um, they learn about pests and um, how to manage them and cover cropping and sustainable practices like crop rotation and, um, and soil maintenance. And then at the end of the year, they are ready to either be hired by us if we have a position open or to go out and work for another farm, or they could even start their own farm if they wanted to. And I'll talk about how we um, make that happen on our own farm for them. The second Great. training track is our veteran farm Veteran Farmer Reserve Program. Familiar to your audience, it's one weekend a month and two weeks a year. We have one weekend of intensive farm training Saturday and Sunday. We feed breakfast and lunch and afternoon food, sometimes a happy hour. And, um, and we have guest instructors and people get their hands in the dirt and learn everything that our veteran farm fellows are learning, but just less repetition and less time spent on each task. So, Someone would go through, this program is specifically built for somebody who has a full-time job or is in school full-time or is getting full-time medical treatment, and, um, and, it, and if they can just gut it out for this one weekend a month, we can introduce them to all aspects of agriculture that they need. There are four components that we build each weekend from, um, and they have varying amounts of time uh, dedicated each time. And the first one is hands-on cultivation. We get their hands in the dirt. They learn practical skills like setting up fencing and transplanting and seeding and weeding and identifying pests. The second piece is sort of farm 101. It's everything that happens between a farmer's ears, the stuff that they do at their desk or planning and thinking, seed ordering, crop planning, anticipating harvests, all of that stuff. The next Mm -hmm. piece of this is um, 
is field trips. We visit successful local farms that are doing really interesting stuff or have interesting business models because we want our farmers in training to understand the full breadth of possibility in agriculture. And we consider it a real victory, and it's something that happens every year, that people come into the program thinking that they're going to farm one way and end up the program with a business plan for something totally different. So we've had Hmm. people that come in thinking they're going to do 100 acres of – of, of pork and end up saying, nope, I'm going to do one acre of market garden organic and it's going to be here and I'm going to sell to these people. So we really want people to understand everything that's possible and then select the kind of farming that makes the most sense for their time and their resources and their mm-hmm. age and their level of health. Um, and so we can help them do that. So uh, that's the third piece. And the fourth piece of it is the most important part, and that is business training. We have an incredible business trainer that flies in four times a year from California. She is both a CPA and a tax lawyer with a specialty in sustainable agricultural systems. So she does everything from helping people figure out the tax implications of a particular plot of land that they might be looking at to all the way down to how to set up their chart of accounts in QuickBooks and create an invoice for what they sell. So mm-hmm. when someone completes our program one weekend a month and then two weeks of on-farm practical work with us or with a partner farm so that they really feel in their bones what it is to farm the way that they intend to farm mm-hmm. so that they can make change their minds if they don't like it, um, at the end of this year-long program, they are ready to go out and actually start a farm. And we always recommend they start modestly and learn some lessons without plunking a whole lot of money into it. Um, And one of the places that they can start a farm or that our veteran farm fellows can start a farm is right on our property. This year we've Hmm. introduced a new program, and it is the Veteran Farm Incubator. Currently, it is only open to people who are veterans who have been through our training program because they are Mm -hmm. on our property and can imperil our agricultural operations if they have bad practices. So we want people that we've trained and that we have confidence in that they know how to handle being on our farm because our farm Mm -hmm. is a production farm and we have very heavy production goals and we need people to all be doing the right stuff when they're around our things. But we've set aside two acres on our farm And that sounds like a small amount of land, but it's an incredible amount of land when you're actually responsible for working it. But we have two acres divided up into eighth of an acre plots, and we will allow the folks who go through our program, if they want to launch an independent business on our property, they can take over a plot. And our promise to them is that we will provide them technical assistance. So if they have questions, we are there to answer them. We will provide them infrastructure, which includes a greenhouse, some basic farm tools, irrigation, a walk-in cooler, which is part of the farm from a box that I mentioned earlier, um, a wash station, and access to our markets. And we also promise them that in their first year of growing, we'll buy whatever they grow as long as it meets a market standard. And we can put it into our mobile markets or into our on-farm programs or we can sell it at our farm stand, or if worse comes to worse, we'll donate it to the food pantry up the street. But we want the Mm. farmers on our incubator to focus on that first year especially of learning to grow and not worrying so much about how they're going to sell the stuff. Um, So that's the veteran farmer program. We're, I think, training our 50th veteran right now after, say, three and a half years of this program being in in existence. Mm. And we have 
think 10 or 11, maybe even 12 working farms now from amongst our graduates. Some of them, they had started it before they joined us. Others have launched it after they've, after they've gone now. But we continue to support them with advice and ongoing educational opportunities, and, um, and, and they support each other. Uh, there's a lot of cross-pollination between the classes of folks who are answering questions for each other or suggesting coursework or, or even um, pursuing joint opportunities. Two of our 2017 graduates actually teamed up to take on an incubator plot this year. Two of my 2018 participants um, are now working together in one of their backyards farm. So mm-hmm. she is growing flowers on the farm of his land and helping him with his vegetable operation, and he is letting her grow flowers and obviously accepting the help. Um, two of our 2016 participants uh, planted a garlic farm together. Garlic is a great overwinter crop. So, so one of the other wonderful things about vets is that they have an experience of working uh, both independently and as a team, and um, and they have a great way of dealing with one another and a shared culture and a shared language and a shared expectation. So it's um, so it's been a real amazing thing to watch every year unfold in a slightly different flavor as we have different personalities, um, but real successful and super grateful for vets. And That's wonderful. Right now we are open. We want people uh, signing up for the, for the programs starting in January. Well, we'll do. Yes, please. Oh, I just wanted to uh, ask quickly. So how do they learn how to sell the product as well? If you're make, uh, growing garlic or, yeah. flowers or whatever, um, you, you mentioned such a broad spectrum of things that they're learning about, and it's amazing. <laughs> but yeah. how do they get it to market? They, well, if they are producing in their first year and they want to sell it to us on a wholesale basis, we will take it off their hands. So it gets to market through us. Um, mm-hmm. Others uh, have intern with um, farmers at farm stands and learn it that way. We have our own farm uh, stand where people can mm-hmm. come and learn how you set things up for direct sale to the consumer. And mm-hmm. we also make introductions for our farmers to people we know who are looking to buy food. Um, one very exciting relationship that has come, uh, a, a 2016 graduate is raising poultry. So he's done turkeys and chickens and he's doing some pigs and doing some sausage but he is now in a sourcing relationship to a chef that is a big fan of Arcadia and one of our volunteers, and she buys chickens from him. We also buy chickens from him for our mobile market that we then turn around and sell uh, to our mm-hmm. customers. So, um, so, so there's lots of ways that we can help them access markets and lots of connections that we make for them. A lot of them sort of have that part on lock, like they know how to present themselves and how to get into a farmer's market and how to set up a farm stand. And, but we're always here to answer questions and help them come up with price lists and, and uh, think about all the things that they need, like liability insurance and all of that. That's great. Okay, great. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But um, We're back to the veteran program. Well, when can they apply and how do they apply and who is eligible and yeah. Any veteran or active duty military person um, or a spouse of either is eligible to apply. Um, and we have one application, and you indicate on there whether you want to be considered just for the Veteran Farmer Reserve, which is the weekend-only program, or the Veteran Farm Fellowship, or if you want to be considered for both. 
Um, and mm-hmm. we, the application is open right now, and it is available. It's a Google form, so it's really easy to do. Um, and it's available online at www.arcadiafood.org. And then there's a button there that says Programs near the top, and you drop down that, click on Veteran Farmer Program, and about halfway down the page you'll see the link. It's a hot link to the application. And you just fill it out, and I will get an alert that you want in, and I will get back in touch with you. Now, here's the exciting part. For the Veteran Farmer Reserve, we take everybody who applies because it is a demanding program, And we have a so-called come to Jesus in January where we lay out what is expected of people, including tuition, and we let folks sort themselves out. So we see who shows up in February and who shows up in March. And what we found is that we usually start with about 30 people and we get down to between 15 and 20 people by mid-year. And that's the group that's really committed. We think that people should demonstrate their commitment rather than expect us to sort of read their minds and see if they would be a good farmer. So we also offer lots of scholarships for people in the tuition program. In the tuition program. The tuition is $1,995. That translates to $165 per weekend. And with that, they're getting food and books and a T-shirt and incredible instruction from all of our guest instructors as well as our staff They're getting backstage passes to all of these farms in the region. It's cheaper than other veteran farmer training programs or other training programs that they'll find around, and and it's an ongoing relationship. But even at that price, we have lots of people who want to make sure that this is there's no financial barrier to somebody learning to be a farmer with us, and so we Mm -hmm. offer lots of scholarships. So, and then the veteran farm fellowship, of course, pays. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, wonderful. And so the market, uh, you have this uh, mobile market where you sell the produce to the um, areas in D.C. where there aren't any grocery stores selling healthy things. That's right. Is that correct? We've yeah. been running the mobile market program since 2012. The mobile market is two vehicles um, outfitted with chest freezers and refrigerators and racks and racks and racks of food that make 10 regular weekly stops in low food access neighborhoods. And these are neighborhoods where you have a high use of SNAP or food stamps. You have no grocery store typically within a mile and you have low car ownership, meaning people are dependent on public transportation and it's hard to get to the grocery store because it's more than a mile away. And there's only so much you can carry on, you know, on foot or on the bus when you're uh, when you're reliant on public transportation to get food, so now you're having to go back and forth to the um, to the grocery store quite a lot and paying money out of your pocket for transportation. Mm-hmm. So together, this is what a lot of people call a food desert. Um, it's not a great term because it sort of suggests that there's no food at all available. Instead, what we find is that neighborhoods like this, typically the food is super processed, super packaged, very low nutrients, basically junk food, not really good for you. Lots of Pop-Tarts and candy bars and potato chips and lots of soda in an unbelievable array of colors and not a lot of fresh food, not, a, not, not an easy way to feed your family a quality diet. So the mobile markets make these 10 regular weekly stops in neighborhoods 
that uh, show those characteristics, and we set up a complete diet farmer's market for three or four hours a day, one day a week, so that everybody in the neighborhood has a place where they can come and purchase food. And our food is, the prices are lower than other farmer's markets, but farmer's markets um, have both a perception and sometimes a reality of being more expensive than a grocery store, and Mm -hmm. there's lots of reasons for that. But our prices are typically 30 to 50% less than other farmers markets in DC and then on top of that we have lots of benefits for low income customers so if somebody uses snap or food stamps to buy food with us we be, give them a 50% discount or we match it dollar for dollar however you want to think of it so if you spend $20 with us on your snap card we're only going to charge you for $10 worth of food. And what we find is that this is a great incentive for people to use their snap cards with us instead of using it at that corner store buying, you know, stuff that's not as good but is obviously much cheaper and also mm-hmm. always delicious, engineered to be that way and to be just as attractive <laughs> as possible. So we, we're in there giving kale a fighting chance. So we do snap-offs <laughs> for SNAP, WIC, and Senior Farmer's Market Nutrition Vouchers. We also accept in Washington, there's a special program called Produce Plus, which is up to $20 a week and free fruits and vegetables for people who are income qualified. We do a disproportionate amount of PPP across the city because we are in neighborhoods where people who meet those criteria live, work, go to school, go to the doctor. So we are, we are in their way in the best possible way and with a beautiful array of food that is reasonably priced and then they can use their um, benefits for it. So consequently, you know, we started out in 2012 and we sold $44,000 worth of food in neighborhoods that were otherwise not served at all and thought we were doing pretty well. Last year we sold $238,000 worth of food in, again, neighborhoods that grocery stores have written off. We are very close to, in about, in about, uh, two months, we will have sold a million dollars worth of food in neighborhoods that traditional retailers have said don't want healthy food, and they're not going to they're not going to serve them. So, so we are proving yeah. every day the lie that mm-hmm. that that I think a lot of people think is true, and that is that you know what if if people in these neighborhoods really wanted healthy food, it would be there. They're they're just not buying it. And the fact is is that healthy food costs a lot. And there's a, a, a huge cold chain and infrastructure behind it that has to support it if, if the food is going to come out fresh. And, and it just costs a retailer a lot to do that, and it's, and it's a pain. So we do that, and what we prove every single day is if the food is there and it's good quality and the price is right, people will buy it. And people buy more and more from us every year. So we know that the model works. And we are, you know, always fiddling with it. But mostly what we're trying to do is dismantle these barriers that keep people from having a healthy diet. And those are primarily where you live and how much money you have. All right. Well, um, any other programs? uh, uh, Can people get a tour? Can people find out more by um, visiting the farms? Yeah, for sure. Um, we periodically do farm tours, but um, there's a great day coming up, October 21st, which is our Farm Funtacular. It is an aggressively low-tech farm festival with cakewalks, and we're going to do a hayride to between our two big farm sites. And there will be lots of games like sack races, and we'll sell donuts. Um, so people are welcome to come out there. Just go to www.arcadiafood and keep an eye there. We haven't announced the tickets for it yet. It is free, but we like to ticket it so we know how many people are coming. 
Mm -hmm. Um, On September 30th, we have a very, very fancy affair, which is so exciting. It's our annual fall farm dinner. We have nine Mm -hmm. chefs, all of whom are Bafo women chefs from the region, and they are preparing food from our farm and also from some of our veteran farmers who are now producing food to serve a glorious four-course meal under the stars for 200 people. And this raises money for the Veteran Farmer Program. And those tickets are available on Eventbrite, and you'll also see a link to that event on our website. Um, Again, www.arcadiafood.org. Um, so those are two great ways. Also, folks can volunteer for either of those events if they'd like or just volunteer in general at our farm. And uh, there is a volunteer page on our website where you can fill out yet another Google form. I love them. Uh, to tell us who you are and what kind of work you want to do and introduce you to the standing opportunities. And then we have a special short answer section that lets you tell us what you're good at and see if we can't find a way to use your special talents. I take musicians and jugglers and sign painters, um, artists and graphic artists. I always find ways to use people, especially people who can build things. That's cool. So um, there's lots of ways. Uh, and we you know, have about 300 volunteers that we regularly rely on. Um, about 100 of them work directly on the farm during the course of the year. So join us. Great, great. Well, this is wonderful. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity, and I appreciate um, how many great people you've connected us to. Oh, good, good. And we hope many more to come. Yes, thank you, Amanda. (laughs) Thank you. 